Let's make sure that everyone has them. and appreciate that so much. Now, last week when uh, Adam Barr preached his lesson, I thought, my goodness, you would have imagined that we collaborated together because the sermon he preached in the morning, I preached at night. And, uh, and then, an old year's night, uh, Graham came away with a devotional lesson and they started talking about resolutions and stuff. I said, oh, no, not again. <laughs> not again, you know. But I really enjoyed that and, and old year's mind. But when New Year broke in, everybody worldwide were embracing each other and shaking hands and saying, Happy New Year. And it goes on today. It'll go on for several, uh, maybe a couple of weeks before everybody gets to see their acquaintances and, and they'll wish each other a happy new year. And that's a good thing to do, to wish someone a happy new year. Well, here we are. We've entered the new year. And as we reflect back, now to some people, uh, it's been a, an exciting year. And then to others now, it may have been good to leave another dreary year behind. And life is like that, you know. People think that life is all about washing dishes, about hoovering, about going out to work. Well, it is. And life is all about the problems that we bear uh, and share in life. It's the fate of every person who ever lived to go through struggles in life. And sometimes we've had a, a year of it. And, oh, let's hope for a great new year. And yet we don't know what we'll face tomorrow. But I know this thing. Whatever we have to face in the future, God is going to be there. He's going to be there. And sometimes we're going to go through some struggles in life. We'll wonder, what's it all about? And believe me, God is working something good for somebody through the circumstances that you go through. Because I'll tell you this right now. It's only overcoming the struggles of life that character begins to develop and grow. And so therefore I wish you a happy, happy, good new year. And so we're now into that next year of 2011. Could you imagine that? 2011? Millions around the world for days to come with warm feelings towards each other, are going to wish each other a happy new year. And this is a beautiful and lovely spirit that people express at this time. Remember John says in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, above all things, above all things, uh, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, for those in business, I'm looking at Chris here, he's a businessman. I'm going to tell you right now, Chris, I hope and pray that the windows of heaven will open for you in business this year. Those that have been without jobs are struggling, and in fact it's impending on some that they're going to lose their jobs. I hope that the windows of heaven opens up for you to give you a choice of employment. I wish 
good things for you as you wish to us and all to one another. It's a wonderful thing to express a heart, a heart that's open and uh, full of, of love. And so today, I'm going to give this lesson, and it comes in the form of this acrostic. This acrostic. And if you've got that in your hand, you know, on your hymn book or Bible, now, you don't need to turn to the scriptures I'm going to mention, but take a note of them. But you will, uh, each letter, you can uh, have a title to each, and I'm going to breeze through this very quickly, because uh, probably it could go on for a couple hours, but it won't today, okay? Um... And so therefore, let's get into it. This first word, happy, happy. See that uh, first letter H? Huh? I'm going to say this. Hold fast to your faith this year. Hold fast to your faith. The scriptures I'm going to give is from Hebrews 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 14. And Hebrews chapter 3, and verse 12. Hebrews 10 says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He says in chapter 4, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In Hebrews chapter 3 it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You hold fast. Now sometimes you're going to go through some tough stuff. Okay? But you hold on. And every time I use that expression, hold fast, do you know what I think of? Braveheart. Do you remember that dude, what's his name? Not Ben Hor. What's his name? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. He says, Hold. Hold. And who's coming against them? The enemy. But he says, Hold. I'll tell you, some of us would have flown. <laughs> but he said, Hold. And sometimes when the enemy approaches our door, our hearts, we've got to do anything that we want, except you don't want it. You hold onto your faith. You hold. Because God is allowing a temptation maybe stronger than we can handle ourselves. He's allowing us to go through this with His might and His power. We're going to be victorious. No matter what the situation is. And so you hold fast. And as I said many times, even although you may hold on by your fingernails, it's something you feel like just letting go. No, you hold on. And we're going to have some struggle this year. It's our faith. It's, it's, it's life. You're going to go through struggles. That's all right. But you hold on to your faith. Let nothing, let nobody remove the faith in your heart and in your lives. And then the second letter is A. And that means assemble with the saints. Now you hold fast to your faith, and then you assemble with the saints. And again, I'm going to quote Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, and Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And assemble with the saints, in Hebrews 10 it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as we see the day approaching. 
And so you assemble. I don't know if it's indifference. I don't know if it's just a candy butter. I don't know if their faith is deep enough. But some who become Christians, they never assemble. I remember one fellow, his name was Stephen. Man, he passed him. My father baptized him. My father studied with him. He baptized him. Never saw him again. Never saw him again. I remember we, it was the night that Adam's mom was baptized. We baptized five that night. And this fellow, I don't know where he came from. Someone else was studying with him. But they had no gents garments left, so he came out with a, a lady's kind of garment. This was at Castle Milk Congregation. A man came down there, and it was ice cold. You know old Gene Cameron? Gene Cameron was baptized in that water. <laughs> Annette was baptized in that water. And he, it was four ladies and him. And he came down and he says, ooh, 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 he says, that's too cold. Well, I was embarrassed. The place was packed. I said, no, it's nothing. I'm just drugging in. And all he was fighting against me. He didn't want to go in the water. Man, and uh, he, he just said then, oh, that's too cold. Oh. Now, he was in his 30s. He said, my mother will kill me if I get a cold. And everybody was kind of looking. And I dumped him in there, man. Got him up. Never seen him since. Never seen him since. You see, when you become a Christian and you get your priorities right in life, you want to assemble to worship God. That's very important. For many reasons, I want to mention just a couple. Number one, we are honoring God. And and thank you again for the opening uh, this morning. Remember, we're honoring God. But do you know what I get out of coming to worship as well? Encouragement. Encouragement. First thing we see each other. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And to give encouragement. And to enjoy fellowship. You know what that word fellowship means? It's from a Greek word, koinonia, which means joint participation. There was uh, Moses in the mountaintop over the wilderness of Zin. And the Amalekites came against them and God says, hold your arms up. And when you do, you will prevail against the enemy. But have you ever tried to hold your arms up for long? About five minutes? And then they start getting aching. They start getting tested. But hard. And who was the other one? Hor and Aaron. His brother Aaron. They went, this is Moses. We're going to assist you joint participation we're having fellowship in this and when we come together around the Lord's table and around his word we are having fellowship one with another and with Jesus Christ because he's present that's what worship means to me I come in here to worship God and I want to leave to serve him because of the influence that we can have in one another and especially through the word of God. And so it's necessary. Remember Acts chapter 2. Whenever they became Christians in the city of Jerusalem, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. And then P. That last word was a good one. Prayer. Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. Every day of this year, make it a challenge upon yourself to pray at least once. At least once. Can you imagine a person who's in the family of God 
not thanking God at least once a day. Well, you, you feed three times, that's, that's a good excuse to pray. God, to thank you for the provisions. We go to bed, hopefully we'll pray. Sometime in the morning, I'm in a quiet place, old Willie McGregor, I'm going to tell you right now, literally, he goes in the cupboard in his house. He goes in the closet, and he prays. He's nobody else's there, just me. I don't want to be disturbed by the phone I'm hanging up. And then he just talks to God. And I'm telling you, he just literally talks to God. One time I, 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 was, I was a young man. Uh, several of us went up to uh, uh, Fort William for a weekend. And we went along to this Church of Scotland place. And uh, there was a, a lot of older people and stuff was in there. And there was, uh, us five or six young fellows. And this lady comes and says, would you like to come for a cup of tea? And we thought, wow, that's nice. So we went along. She says, now my dad, he's up in bed. He's ill, but he would like to see us. So we went upstairs. And there was this man in his bed. He platinum white, just, just white hair. And what a welcome he gave us. Before we left, he says, let's have a prayer. Now I'm going to tell you, you need to experience this. I, he started praying, and I'm like, and I kind of opened my eyes and looked. Because I thought, I thought he was having a conversation with somebody sitting next to him. And it was God. It was, the, the way that fell, I formed that prayer. Sometimes we want to be politically correct in our prayer life. Don't worry about it. Because the prayer that you and I formulate in our words, that's not the prayer that goes into the throne of God. The Holy Spirit takes that prayer and presents it in a way that we couldn't. And sometimes we want to be so clever with our prayer life. No. Remember one man, he smote his breast and says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he could say. One time in my life as a young man, and I was driving into that hell, I could say, God help me. You know something? God hears. God hears. Make it, make it. Make it to yourself a promise that I will talk to God every day. That you'll pray, you'll thank Him, and He will bless you. I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read this to you. Just take a note of it. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to read from verse 7. Listen to this. Now, this is how we need to conduct. This is the spirit, the attitude that we need to pray. Listen. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Of what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? There is another thing that is good for us that God will hold back. When we go to God in prayer, and it's a prayer of faith, and it's a prayer that's in accordance with his holy mind and will. And when we ask God, that's not being selfish. There are many things in life that we pray for. Not to be selfish, 
but that we through our life may glorify God more. What is going to to your dad or your mom? Say, Mom, please, could I? And they know. They know what's good for you. And they know what's not good for you. And when they say no, please, no. Please. And people live their lives that way. God's not listening to me. I'm saying please, please. But God's saying no. But every day now, go to God and he will answer your prayer one way or another. Sometimes it's going to be no. Sometimes it's going to be yes. Sometimes it's going to be wait a while. And in his good time, God will bless your life. No doubt about it. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Pray for one another the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. And there's another P there. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts for God's great blessings for the year 2011. The last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, I'm going to read from that. And listen now to what's said here. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, uh, 9 and 10. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Malachi 4. It says there in verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessings, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And sometimes we are capable and sometimes willingly rob God of his rightful place in our lives. You rob me? And we belong to him. Our lives are completely his. And we need to serve him. I'm going to tell you, when we put service into the kingdom, God will have abundantly blessed. When we start shoveling out, God will start shoveling in. But he uses a bigger shovel. You understand? Sometimes he'll bless us beyond our wildest dreams and it's happened to several that I know of in this congregation. That's wonderful. He says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance and the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall be burst out, shall burst out with new wine. He's talking about giving back into the treasury of the Lord. But it's way beyond that. You see, when God has a person, he has his treasure. <laughs> no doubt of that. Okay? When God is a person, there's no problem in giving to God. When God is a and I'm not talking about finances. 
I'm talking about giving of ourselves. Remember Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16, him and his household, they first gave of themselves. That's what God's after. He's after your heart and my heart. He wants us to to serve him, place our lives into the kingdom, and I'll tell you the blessings will come back pouring to us in ways that we've never even thought about. And then why? Yield not to temptation. It's going to be a long year for some. Yield not to temptation. Yield not to temptation. Why? For yielding is what? Sin. Yield not to temptation. For yielding is sin. We sin it. Now every person is going to be tempted. We have just entered the new year and we have already been tempted. And you will continue to be tempted because he's strong and powerful, Satan is. But God says, don't yield to the temptation. Even Christ was tempted, but he didn't yield. And he's a great encouragement to us and shows us the paths of righteousness. And so we yield not to temptation. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41... Jesus said to his disciples, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. See the multi-medium in our world today? Media. They pressurize people. They con people. They give a sense of insecurity. And what you need to make your life perfect and they show you all that junk on television and in the movies. They show you the drink and the drugs, the illicit sex, the gambling, the lust of the flesh. Oh, you've got to be satisfied. And they'll take you away from the Lord. Yield not to temptation. Go look at the, the book of James. Take a note of this. James chapter 1. And listen to what James says now. In verse 13 through 16. 13 through 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. And so therefore we have to fight constantly. And you know what it means? Heal not in Do you know what it means? Just say no. Just say no. Declare yourself. You're going to be in circles of friends that might booze or get involved in things that shouldn't. And when you're tempted that way, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. No, declare yourself. And that's a great, a great help and aid in your Christian life. And then the word new now. New. Uh, N stands for Neglect not. Neglect not. What am I talking about? Neglect not the talents and the opportunities that God gives you on a daily basis. 
Some of us are just getting rusty. Some of us might just feel lackadaisical. Some of us just can't see the opportunity. Some of us don't want the opportunity. Some of us are not looking for the opportunity. But no, Lord, neglect not the talents that God has given you. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, and also in James 4 and 17, Galatians 6 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of God. It's my obligation that if I see someone and I need, that I do whatever I can to alleviate that need. But especially to the household of faith. If I see a brother or sister that's struggling and is beyond their means and it's necessary for them, I will do anything that I possibly can. All of us would. And we'll prove that in the past. That we'll rise up to the challenge and opportunity to relieve and to help somebody else. Always be willing to do good within your power. James 4 and 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Do you remember what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's right. <coughs> Don't be rude. Okay, now it's very easy. Done. I've done this bright the other day. When you get into this car park space. And I waited and waited and waited. And then the tank here. The boy would chew. Drove right in front of me. Now, do you think I was angry? You better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. Just don't let the sun go down in your anger. <laughs> but yeah, there, there is a righteous anger. You see? Yes, I was angry. I says, Mister, I've been waiting here for about ten minutes for that space. And there are lying. And I saw you just come in and you stood there and went right in there. It's just tough. Now, I'll tell you, now and again in my Christian life, I felt like giving somebody a Christian punch right in my mouth. But I know that would be wrong. You know what I mean? And I just looked at them. And I'm saying, Jack, don't share another word. Oh, Jack wanted to. <laughs> but you see, there's another side of me saying, no, no, don't do that. Just leave it. Just leave it. You know? And so I backed away. Now, I know it was a struggle for me that day. I felt open his door. Now, if I wasn't a Christian, I might have... <clears throat> punchy style or something, but, but that's not right. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not right to do these things. But you get a feeling of, man, how dare you do that? And how dare you say that to me? And, and so we've got to be careful not to be rude. It's so easy. I'll tell you. Uh, never try to embarrass somebody intentionally to his detriment. Never try and do that. Never talk bad to somebody. Tell you, I gave, I think I gave the class, the teacher, when we were, uh, last year, uh, a challenge. For the next 90 days, don't criticize anybody. Not even your wife. Not your husband. Not your daughter. Not your son. Not the kid next door gets up your nose. Criticize nobody for the next 90 days. And it will totally revolutionize your life if you can do it. Now, I, I made the attempt. And I said, was it two weeks? Or one week? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a criticism. <laughs> that was true. But 
But I'll tell you, when you can stop criticism, it will help relationships. When you can stop criticism, it will make people appreciate you. I think every one of us need to get a hold of that book, Influence Friends. How to Influence Friends. Now, we've read that a lot. How to Influence Friends and win friends and influence people. And I'm going to tell you, that will totally revolutionize your life. And it, it draws some stuff out of our lives that, wow, he's talking about me. You understand? But God talks about that. And I'll tell you the golden rule is this. Watch. Each other as you would want done to yourselves. And then the E. Examine yourself. Now this is important. Examine yourself. And we're going to turn to Second Corinthians chapter 13. And I want us to, to read this. Just uh, you take note of it. And Second Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> And we'll see what the Apostle Paul has to say about the situation. Okay? <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read verse 5. But examine yourselves daily to see whether you're in the faith or not. It says there in uh, 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 13. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says this. Verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, uh, do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Every day, am I in the faith? Am I conducting myself as I ought to? Am I living up to God's expectations? Am I doing the best that I can? Or have I just let everything in the back burner and look after self? Ego, that's what they call it. Look after self first. Now we've got to test ourselves. You ever have this? Well, I love you, but I'm, I'm no longer in love with you. <coughs> you ever have that? I love you, but I'm not in love with you. What a cop out. What a cop-out that is. Why? Because love is not a feeling. It's a decision. And I'll tell you, I've talked with so many people. There's so many divorces going in life. Couple divorce, they get remarried. The divorce, they get remarried a third time. And there's more divorces in the second marriages than there were in the first and more in the third than there were in the second. Because you see, they haven't learned that love is a decision. We will come through problems. We have two distinct personalities coming together. And we've got to work through this. Because I love you. That's my decision. I want to be with you for life. That's my decision. I know that I haven't been lovable all the time. I know we are unlovable. But that doesn't mean to say that my wife doesn't love me. Twice in my life now that I'm, I can recollect, maybe it's three times, twice at least, I know that my, my wife from the depths of her soul has screamed at me and shouted at me because I was just being nasty. And because of these feelings that overpower me, doesn't mean she had to love. That's a decision. 
And in fact, if it was just in feelings, Mori would have left me years ago. <laughs> so it was just feelings. But love is much deeper, more concrete. And God says, you leave your parents and you become what? One flesh. That's a decision in life. And so therefore, we need, we need to examine ourselves. Are you glorifying God in your life? Every day do you check up that that's what you're doing? <coughs> and then the letter W. W, the end of new. W. <coughs> Work diligently for the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. <coughs> See, what happens in life is we're always looking for fruit for our labors. And that's right. That's the right. You work hard, you expect to be rewarded for it. And sometimes you put yourself in the hands of God and you can't see any evidence of that recompense at the moment. And I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, if you put some oomph in your trial, you'll have triumph, won't you? Isn't that right? And so therefore you keep on serving God and if we don't receive the blessings that we think we should get in this life, there's one thing sure. We have eternity in the presence of God. But God doesn't allow us to wait that time. Jesus Christ came and said, I've come to give you life what? Abundant. I've come to give you life abundant. And... Um, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, preachers often use this at uh, funeral services. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's another thing you can do for the Lord that he won't bless you for it. And then the word year. That letter Y. Yield, yield your members unto righteousness. Every day. Serve the Lord. Your allegiance is now to God. And He won't leave you barren. He will bless your life. To serve the Lord because you have a brand new allegiance. And that's to God through Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 and 24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Those were Christ's. Let me read something to you from Romans chapter 6. Something's over like this. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 Is someone a tissue please? Tissue there? I don't know if I'm taking a head cold or what That's fine Thank you my dear Thank you Thank you Now Romans chapter 6 And look at verse 6 
says this. <clears throat> Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then verse 16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether, thank you, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Yield your body, your members, your whole being, yield to righteousness. Exercise yourself in godliness as to uh, grow in the grace of truth. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself unto godliness. What is, now, every time I go to the doctor, I need to get serious about this. <clears throat> every time I go to the doctor, what exercise are you doing, Mr. Strachan? Well, eating? What are you doing? Well, I went to swimming. And I thought that was great, because I love swimming. In fact, so you know, I used to be a champion high diver, right? I love swimming. And then they close the door and bats and he's go back. And I can't just walk too far because of the angina. Then I got a walker, uh, what do you call that, treadmill? Huh? Thousand pounds worth of treadmill. Huh? Start walking in there, it gets boring. It gets boring. So I'm going to a little television set up there. So I can watch uh, something. Jim, walking, walking. Because I know that exercise is good. You know that. But how many of us? <laughs> now, I didn't have that in mind today, but since you indicated, you and me, well, Adam's a fine example, but you and me need to do something. Follow his example. Okay, well, once I get my house here, I'm going to the where he goes, because he's looking great. We'll go together. <laughs> it's the genes. Now that's my excuse. You find your own. But you understand physically we must we must exercise physically. But more than that, we're going to exercise ourselves spiritually that we might develop spiritual muscle power. Strength in the Lord. We ought, brethren, in the year 2011, we ought to be stronger than we were last year. If we apply some of these principles to our lives. And then, aim. Aim at sinless perfection. Oh, we have... Well, that's good to know. I'm just testing you, you see. <laughs> Exercise yourself in godliness. Yeah, you're so enveloped in the lesson you forgot to take the note. 
Because the doctor tells us, exercise or die. That's such yeah. Exercise or die. And then now, A. Aim at sinless perfection. Now, I want to say this right now. Underscore that first word, aim. Now, I'm emphasizing that. Aim at the sinless perfection. You won't reach it by your own strength, but you aim for it. You understand? And don't be unhappy if you don't land up being perfect in yourself. Huh? If you don't reach perfection, don't worry about it. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, take a note of this. Hebrews 6 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. We've got to move on. We don't stay as children in Christ. You mature and grow. And you aim for perfection. Who is Jesus? Because he's the great example. But we won't be perfect in our own righteousness. It's only the blood of Christ that we are, through his blood, that we are righteous and perfect in his sight. And so, <clears throat> it was Hebrews 6 and 1. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, <coughs> it says this, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, yeah, now I enjoy boxing. I enjoy that. It is an art if the brutality is kept out. If everybody's stepped in there beforehand, right? But you see in boxing, and the boy gets a right hook in there, and down you go. That's not the end. It's only the end if you stay down. But the fighter gets back up again. And it's like that spiritually. We're going to get, I, I mean to say, the wind's going to be knocked out of your sails now and again, and you'll go down, but you don't stay there, because if you stay there, you're lost. But you get back up again and get your second wind. And that's important for us to understand. That we must continue to grow. <coughs> And to sum that up, I would just say, get up and try again. And then the R, redeeming the time. You see, time is the stuff of life. Redeeming the time. That's what life is made of, time. I want you to understand this, that life is not a dress rehearsal. No, this is reality, folks. We've got one chance on it. And we're on the stage of life right now. We're on the stage of life. And we need to make every, every opportunity count. Make most of the time that God has given. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Paul says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, making the most of your time. That's what he's saying. And then in Proverbs 27 and verse 1, 
boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so use time wisely. I'll tell you, the times of... See, procrastination. That's a dangerous word in our vocabulary. Procrastination. Putting things off, putting things off. I will, I will, I will. By the road to hell is paved with good intentions. People intend to do good. They, they intend to do this, that, and the nice thing. And I've been a sucker to it. I will. I'll get around to it. I will. I will. And you know something? And Adam, you can testify to this. And it was a, a compulsion was driving in me to go and see John Rennick. And Adam and I went to see John Rennick the day before he died. In fact, he was in the process of dying. And oh, I'm so glad that we went to see him. We sat there close by the bedside. And you wouldn't recognize John as he lay there. And he looked up. He said, Jack, do you remember the good days? I said, yes, John, I do. He says, I thought you'd have been gone long before me. Yeah, but God is a time for all of us. And then what did he say? He says, well, you just give me a hug. And we hugged John. And I says, John, before we left, I said, good night, John. I'll see you in the morning. And he knew what I was meaning. And he died. I don't know how it would have been if we didn't go and see him. But I knew I ought to. Redeem the time. Make the most of your time that God has given to do that which is right and wholesome. Use it wisely. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to help and encourage each other uh, for a great year ahead. There's going to be great things take place. And there's going to be great things in the midst of sorrow take place. Because God will lift us up and will overcome and a stronger person develops because of struggles. I want to read First Thessalonians. Take a note of that. And this is the final of the lesson. First Thessalonians. <clears throat> Chapter 5. And I want us to look at verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> and listen to this now. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. What a commendation. What a word of encouragement. From Paul. And so, my friend, you can begin this new year with a new life, with a new father, with a new family, with a new name, with a new destiny, with a new hope. Everything about you can be new in Christ Jesus 
if you're born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must, imperative, you must be born again. And that's through being obedient to the gospel. Now with all that I've said here, and we're only scratching the scratch brethren, do you know what I'm saying to you? Happy New Year. Talking about books, 